Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is an executive editor with the Weekly Standard, Terry Eastland. Terry, how you doing? Doing great. How are you, Mike? Well, I think I'm doing better than some of my frustrated readers and listeners on my radio show because they keep <laughs> asking the same question over and over again. How can the president just do whatever he wants, no matter what the law says, and nobody's suing the guy? I mean, it, it, Terry, it is America. You know, we sue everybody over everything. How is it that Barack Obama has not been dragged in front of a judge somewhere? Well, let me just say two things here. You're right about uh, what's going on. There is a lot of law that's uh, either not being enforced or it's being rewritten in effect by the president. The Congress uh, is the body uh, which is supposed to be making the laws, as we all know from the Constitution. But this president has taken it upon himself almost to take certain laws of Congress as suggestions uh, that he should then try to figure out what to do. It's as though he's been given the paint and he's supposed to draw the picture, and that's not what the Constitution says. Now, let me let me say this, though. There is a lawsuit. There's an important case in the Supreme Court that uh, that responds to this trend by the president, and that's dealing with this arcane provision in the Constitution known as the Recess Appointments Clause. Uh, to boil it down, uh, presidents get to make nominations to the executive branch and to the presidents and to the, to the courts, but he usually, in almost all cases, requires the approval of the Senate, right? Right. Uh, the exception to that, though, is provided for in the Recess Appointments Clause so that in case the Senate is not in recess uh, or, or, or that it's not in session and is in recess, at that point a president may actually use the Appointments Clause and appoint someone to the, to the bench or to the executive branch. Now, it's only for a temporary period. But uh, he did this back in early January of, of 2012. He, he, he appointed four individuals to the executive branch. And uh, it's complex, and I'm not going to get into how the, the lawsuit developed, but there is a lawsuit challenging mm -hmm. the legitimacy, the constitutionality of those appointments that is in the Supreme Court this year will be decided by June. It's a and major my, case. And my understanding is that the White House is not faring very well with their, the president knows when the Senate is in recess more than the Senate knows if they're in recess. So we'll see how that goes. But I think the average person, though, you know, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I've never tried to be a lawyer. My mother, you know, prayed every night I would not be a lawyer, that the Lord would deliver Good me from her. that. Exactly. Uh, but I do, you know, I've had heard smart lawyer people say that the word shall is a really important word in legal documents. And the uh, uh, the America the Affordable Care Act is full of words like shall, and full of shalls like there shall be an individual mandate. It shall be in place January first. There shall be uh, you know the, the the Affordable Care Act in action. Can the president ignore the word shall? And if he can, then what's the point of using it? Well, he invokes, his people invoke uh, certain authorities, that, legal authorities that have been used uh, in previous presidencies, in fact, to justify uh, these kinds of actions. Now, I don't think that in every case uh, that kind of justification works. I think, he's, I think there might be some that it will work, but there are others that it won't work. But I think there's a much larger point here, and that is a very practical one, not a, not a litigation point, but a point about the Constitution. Uh, I think the president is running into uh, a danger with the way he, he acts and the way he discusses what he's doing, because he's suggesting that the Constitution just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all to how we govern ourselves in America. He said this week uh, that now I can do what I want to do. Right. You, you, did you notice that? He said, yes. I can just the do what I want The good thing about being do. president is I can do what I want. That's right. And he's done other things like that as well, made other statements of the same kind. So... 
I think that 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 is a very real danger he's facing. If 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 someone were smart in the White House, they would tell him, "Look, you need to take the Constitution <laughs> a little more seriously. You need to cut out those kind of comments." Well, this is what's interesting to me is you know from my uh, you know junior high civics class and watching those cartoons on ABC in the morning when on Saturday mornings, is I thought that if the president did things that the Congress thought that Congress found out of line unacceptable that the power of the purse strings was supposed to allow the Congress to stop him to simply, for example, if it is the case that the president's going to postpone the individual mandate, then that Congress should pass a budget that says we're removing the money that would be go into enforcing the individual mandate until you have it. We'll just take that money out. How could the president possibly complain? After all, we're not going to have it. And yet I don't, well, am I missing something? Are Republicans in the house trying to use the constitutional checks and balance system? Uh, well, you're right about the power of the purse. That is probably the strongest and most important power uh, outside of the uh, appointment power. I mean, actually, it's first and the appointment power is second for having some kind of control of the executive branch. But I would say that that would be uh, that would be worth trying um, is is to hold back the money uh, in certain program areas and to see if that would have some effect upon the president. Uh, this president um is indicating almost week by week, day by day, that he doesn't want to be bound by the rule of law. And that is a serious problem. But if the Congress, Republicans and Democrats, if they don't take their duty as a co-equal branch of government seriously, if they're not willing to step up and fight, why shouldn't the president go as far as he can possibly go? And if Democrats like Harry Reid are comfortable with a president that powerful, maybe when President Cruz or President Walker are in power, they may uh, they can continue to support that position. Well, you know, uh, you're right. I mean, there is, uh, in, in the case of a President Cruz, what is to prevent him from just simply saying, that, look, I find the following provisions of the Affordable Care Act, ones that uh, we, we're just not going to enforce for right. whatever reason. Uh, the, the the precedent has clearly been established that he might try that. And so we could have a, a repealed law done by executive governance. It would be rather odd because that's not the way we're supposed to govern ourselves and this is any the, more than it is now. Right. And this, to me, is one of the uh, uh, downsides of the collapse in respect or loyalty to the body that politicians are serving in the, the house itself, the Senate itself and its history and the rise of the uh, influence of partisanship. It's really almost a, uh, you know, a, a parliamentary system now where you have the, the, the parties, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm a Lord or a, you know, whatever, I'm just in the party and I do the party's bidding at all times. And there were, there've been many times in the past Republicans and Democrats where senators said, no, the rules of the Senate have a, a, a vital role in protecting our system and deserve our respect. And it doesn't matter who's violating them. I'm going to stand by them. Uh, that seems to be completely gone. Well, and, and the, the framers thought about this, and one of the reasons why they created a government that has the powers separated was to find a way um, to militate against the very kind of atmosphere we have now, the kind that you just described. Uh, and I think that... Um, it's at some point we still have to recover some of those important principles. That's where the courts might be able to help. I mean, if the court comes out with a decision against the recess appointment uh, power that the president tried to uh, say was his, uh, if they if they make a good decision, that could help. Uh, it could it could affect other areas. Could somebody who's uh, suffering under the individual mandate 
file a lawsuit and say, I'm demanding equal protection under this law. And the people who you know, are in different employment situation, they've been uh, you know, exempted from this law and therefore I'm being abused. Can a citizen do that? Would, that court, would, would the issue of standing uh, be covered I think there? It, I think they'd have trouble with the standing issue. Um, the court is generally not going to be favorable to, to that kind of litigation. Uh, I don't even know that you'd get very far in district court. What about uh, Congress saying, we wrote a law and passed it that says shall, the president is ignoring shall, uh, your honor, make the president obey the law? Well, that would have a problem as well, because that would be a political question, I'm sure, for the court. In other words, that's a doctrine that says these are questions that you don't take into court, that you battle it out between the two departments of government. Uh, conceivably, the court could do that in the recess appointments clause case that I just uh, talked mm-hmm. about. It, it, they, they could make that kind of ruling. But uh, in this case, I think it is uh, is one that involves a party where there's a law enforcement action taken against a company out in wa- the state of Washington. And so they're the ones that have standing. They have a legitimate grievance uh, in, in this separation of powers case. But the millions of people who've lost their insurance have the grievance, too. The people who they are showing up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at work across the street from a company that has, you know, 52 employees. I'm getting hit with the individual mandate. They're getting hit with no mandate. Can't I be grieved? Come on, make some room for grieving here. Uh, well, uh, let's get that lawsuit going and see what <laughs> might happen. <laughs> Terry Eastland, executive editor of the Weekly Standard, thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.